0: Everybody, welcome back to Kicks and Picks Podcast. It has been a while, but we have an absolutely incredible show for you today. First and foremost, we have Coach Steve back from his hiatus. Welcome back, Coach. Thanks
1: for having me. We <laughs> have, uh, it's your podcast. <laughs>
0: we have a, a very special guest today, Soccer Q Ash. She is one of the best handicappers that we know. Um, she is going to drop some incredible knowledge down so everybody can be better at betting football so we're super excited to have her and of course we have the update on the transfer window our transfer talk and our buy or sell so let's jump right into it
2: yeah i think we are right in the middle of the transfer season the silly season uh whatever you want to call it the mercato Uh, and so rumors are really getting really heating up now so uh, i think in our first round of buy or sell, I think there's only one place where we can really start, and that's with the man himself, Ronaldo, has not been showing up to uh, the preseason training camp for Manchester United, uh, reportedly looking for a move out, probably because he doesn't want to play in Europa next year. So uh, the number one landing spot that's being tossed around right now is is Chelsea. So Nick, I'll start with you, your number one Ronaldo fan. Are you buying or are you <laughs> selling Ronaldo
0: to Chelsea? So I'd like to originally probably sell it because the team name has been changing by the hour. It seems like, but I'm going to buy this to Chelsea. I think, you know, they're, they've lost Lukaku. Um, the, you know the, we know what's going on with the owner, uh, the team, just, they need to make a splash. They need some goodwill. I don't know that he's the answer to their problems, but it seems to me like the PR move that the team needs. And I think it makes sense from that standpoint. I'm going to buy it.
1: What about you coach buying this one? For the moment, I'm going to sell, but that could change based on what else they do in the Mercato. I, I think they're connected to Delict, who we'll talk about next. He would cost them close to 100 million euros to share up the defense. I think if the the move for Delict happens, I think you have to exclude Ronaldo because of the wages and, and all the money that goes into it. It also depends what happens with Rafinha, who we'll talk about. But for the moment, I'm going to sell, but I could see him leaving United for some destination in this window.
2: I'm going to sell this one just because I can't imagine – United selling Ronaldo right now after a one season that was really arguably probably the most disappointing season that United's had in the last, you know, 30 years. So to kind of give up on him after one season, I know he's getting old, he's 37, but it would just be a really tough PR move to just kind of have that season and then just, you know move on from one of your club legends uh, with very little effort to build around him. So I'm going to sell it for now, but we'll stay tuned as this develops. I'm sure there'll be some some Ronaldo hijinks moving forward in the next few weeks that could change things. Uh, Round two, Coach, you kind of segued us into this. It's Nick's favorite center back, uh, De Ligt, moving to either Chelsea or Bayern at probably a move that would be north of 100 million euros. At least that's what the the rumored price is going to be. Uh, Coach, we'll start with you since you segued into this.
1: What do you think? Are you buying this? Are you selling this one? I buy that he's leaving Juventus. I know that uh, Chelsea is uh, apparently has the bigger offer on the table from what I've been reading. How, how much you can believe, I don't know, but uh, seems like the players will as Bayern, so I do see him leaving. And if he wants Bayern, I could see him going to Bayern, and he'd be a great addition for Bayern Munich.
2: Nick, what do you think, buying or selling, delict
0: moving? buying that he was a terrible purchase for Juventus. I'm buying that he's overrated. You guys have heard me talk about that all year. Um, I, I think he's leaving. I don't know to which team. I don't know if it's either of these teams, um, but I'm definitely buying that he's gone.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and jump on a or, you know, jump myself out there. I'm going to say this does not happen to Bayern. Uh, Bayern does not spend 80, 100 million euros on single players. So uh, that doesn't make sense to me whatsoever, unless, of course, you know, Barcelona somehow finds a, a huge sum of money that they can buy for Lewandowski. Uh, and now Bayern has a little bit of extra cash to play with. So, And,
0: and how does uh, this replace their goals, right? It, yeah, it, it seems counterproductive to the, the sale. I, I think I'm going to just sell
2: Dillick moving altogether because, as Nick mentioned, he's not the stud that I think everyone was expecting him to be. And the price that Juve are asking for is basically reflective of that. So it seems unlikely that Juve are going to budge in that price. And it seems unlikely that anyone's going to really be willing to stump up that much money, even Chelsea. Um, speaking of Juve, they lead our, our third uh, third round of fire sell. It's, it's Juve moving for Zaniolo. Uh, coach, I think you got the inside track on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on,
1: on Juve poaching your boy? I'd probably put it at about 60-40 right now. Um, you know, there's been tons of rumors swirling for weeks. I'm tired of hearing about them because <laughs> 99.9 of them are bullshit. Let's be honest, right? You know, Arthur plus ten million for Zaniolo. Roma's not taking No chance. From from everything that's been swirling, Roma is not going to take a player in exchange. So that I think drops the the likelihood of this a bit because, you know, the the valuation that apparently the club has put on is at least fifty million euros, right? And we've seen the way Juve's operated in the past couple windows. He has a loan with obligation to buy. Locatelli's on a two year loan with obligation to buy after this season. So. They've been finagling ways to make these kind of big splashes in the market for a while now. So unless Rome was willing to take a loan with option to buy or some kind of player exchange, I I don't think it happens. uh, You know, we don't know what the player is thinking. Apparently, he's got a four year or five year deal for four million a season lined up. Rome was willing to negotiate an extension at the end of the summer after things shake out. So there's a lot of moving parts, but latest I saw from Dimartio yesterday um, on Tuesday was that there is no official bid yet for him from Juventus. Um, as a Roma fan, I wrote a piece on this on Chiesa Di Totti yesterday. Roma needs to negotiate on their terms. They're, there's no need to sell him now. He's, he's got two years <clears throat> left on his deal. If you leverage. want him, pony up the 50 million, 60 million, whatever Roma's asking, and then you can have him, right? But if you're not going to pony up the money, Roma should say, no, he can stick around. And if he wants to pat a little bit, his value goes down, so be it. But I think Roman's going to have to be firm here, which they haven't been able to do in the past because of FFP. They have a little more leverage here. And I think Delict could be a key to this. I know it's a different position, but I think uh, if Delict moves for 80 to hundred million euros, then maybe that frees up 50 for Zagnolo, another 30 or so to shore up the defense. So I think, I think this depends a lot on Delict. As we can see now through the first three, everything's kind of interconnected, right? <laughs> Domino's Depending on fight. what delict does, then it could affect Ronaldo, could affect Zaniolo, could affect uh, Rafinha, it could affect Lewandowski, it could affect a lot of moving parts, right?
2: Yeah, I think the part that you didn't mention was the one that we already talked about, and uh, that's the reuniting Ronaldo with his former manager of Mourinho. So I think you may need to sell Zaniolo if you're going to get the funds to buy Ronaldo from United, right? Yeah, but Ronaldo he said Champions Roma?
1: League. He said Champions League only. And oh, Roma's in the Europa right. League, so oh. shame. Oh. There goes that. That. Dream. But even even those though, <laughs> though, that just shows the kind of like stuff the media puts out there just because of those connections. Like Roma can never pay thirty million euros a season for Ronaldo. Uh,
0: so here you go. I'm gonna just sell every single rumor around Roma. I think it's all just paper talk. I think they're they're the new fancy shiny team in the league that has the new owners that, you know, won a trophy last year that has Mourinho. And, you know, there's always stories around Mourinho. Um, I I just, I don't know. I'm selling basically everything that goes, goes on around that team until there's really hard concrete evidence to the contrary.
2: Yeah. I think that's a pretty good spot, uh, spot analysis. Like I don't think Roma is going to be doing too much. I think they had a pretty decent season last year, all things considered. They did win their, their big trophy in the, the Conference League, so I think running it back with uh, probably Mourinho's last effective year at the at the club yeah.
0: it will be key. And there's there's no way you know they keep the team together. They're they're primed for a top four spot, but let's just be brutally honest. is not that good anymore. Fiorentina, I don't think makes that leap. Um, you know, Lazio's hit or miss, and uh, you know it's it's I think fourth is their spot to lose.
2: All right, well maybe we can put a future on that then, Nick. Yeah. Um, Man- We'll move on to round four. Uh, another uh, big name attacker in Serie A looking to be potentially on the move. Uh, I think we're looking at potentially Manchester United or Inter Milan right now. Uh, is that right, Nick? Do you do you buy any of that?
0: We're talking about DiBala. Um, Dybala. Yeah. So the the I saw Man United today. Um, I, I that came out of kind of nowhere, but it definitely makes sense from a. From a player standpoint, I think, you know, he's the kind of guy who can pretty much play anywhere, right? He can play either wing. He can be a sports striker. Um, you know, this dude's moving for free, right? There's no huge fee attached. I don't, we can get into why, why AG that's fees. happened. Ages, AG AG right? the, you're not, you're not apparently
1: that's a stumbling block for a lot of teams right now. And, yeah, the, sure and his the salary
0: wages. is too, right? He's 28 yeah. years old or something like that. 27, seven, right?
1: 8 million. He's injury prone. Yeah. So there there's, there's, Little hiccups to some of these deals.
0: I definitely get that, but you know this this isn't your typical player that's that's moving for free, um, so to speak, free quotes. I, it makes sense to United. I, I know he wanted to go to Inter. I don't know really what the holdup was there. Maybe it's those agent fees that you talked about. Um, but you know, it, it, and maybe it's the fact they brought in Lukaku already and that's costing them. But they Inter cleared out a lot of players, um, Sanchez and Vidal and those guys who just didn't belong and. Um, I, I think he makes more sense to enter. I think he'd be more comfortable at enter, um, but I, I don't know. I, I, United, like I'm surprised they haven't been mentioned earlier, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, 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 it's in my shopping cart. I'm not ready to buy this one, but I think it could happen. It kind of, it makes, it seems like a move they would make.
1: Yeah. He's been linked there in summer's past, but this is the first time this season. I think, you know, because things have cooled in Italy for him, other names have to be linked by the papers to, generate some talk. I'm still buying Inter, especially because I saw uh, Edin Dzeko could be on the way out. That could be the key piece to move because uh, Marota came out a day or two ago and said, you know, we're, we're set an attack. You know, if something happens and maybe Dybala becomes an option again, I think it's really, he's been trying to find a way to get Dzeko out now that they have Lukaku. And then you're looking at Lautaro, Dzeko and, and Dybala, Trident and Filippo and might be very happy with that.
2: Yeah, I'm going to sell the Manchester United rumors just because this is a classic case of let's link Manchester United in order to drive up the wages and make it seem like there's more competition for Dybala's signature than there actually is. So I'll sell United. I'll buy Inter. I think he has to find some spot to land in one of those premier teams in in Italy. Uh, Inter seemed the best suited for him. So I think that's where he most likely lands.
1: And hey, if that doesn't happen, he could always go to Monza with Icardi, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Moving on, uh, we're going to go a little bit outside of Italy. We're going to hit up League One. Uh, probably the one of the biggest names in League One right now, Neymar, potentially on the way out of PSG. Uh, we know that there's a little bit of a falling out going on. Uh, it seems to be a, a symptom of the club right now. We uh, hear rumors of Icardi, Wijnaldum, Draxler, Kurzawa, all being, quote-unquote, frozen out, um, being forced to train you know away from the, the squad. So Neymar looking like he could also be on the move, potentially to. Manchester United, uh, or to Chelsea. So two familiar names. Uh, what, what says you coach, do you buy, buy any of those teams as potential landing spots for Neymar?
1: I sell. I don't think he's going anywhere.
0: Yeah. I think
2: it's pretty cut and dry, but, but Nick, you you have anything for us?
0: I mean, I'm buying that they're two of the only teams that could potentially afford him, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm selling. Yeah. I don't, I agree. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I, I just don't, I'm selling PSG's, team strategy as a whole uh, for you know i don't know what seven eight years now into this investment um i just don't understand what they're doing year in and year out and this is just another example of that
2: yeah, this is a case of when you pace a top player ridiculous sums of money it makes it virtually impossible to move them because you're basically down to two potential landing spots and if city has already made their big move in holland this year and real madrid have pretty much made their big move with Chuameni and, and Barcelona are pretty much broke. Uh, yep. You don't really have any, any spots mm-hmm. for him unless you're willing to eat half of his wages, which I don't know that PSG would be willing to do at this point. So I think he's probably going to stay put. Uh, I don't really see any other landing spot for him, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. I know coach you're, you're looking at some, some potential other names, Sicardi like de
1: Monza. Yeah, I think I'm I'm buying that right now. Uh, Monza is first time in Serie A. The ownership is Silvio Berlusconi, and he's got Adriano Galliani, his his right hand man, his DS from Milan, the Milan back
0: in 2002. glory days,
1: right? We know Berlusconi's got some money, and I think he's going to want to make a splash. They've already brought in some some nice players in Cranio and Piscina and a couple others, and I think they're primed to at least stay in Serie A with the moves they're making. And if they could land DiCardi, they, I think they're a lock to stay in the league. Because, when
0: was, I saw, I mean, I know we don't follow. Uh... PSG all that well outside of the Champions League. But when was the last time cardi saw the field? Uh, I don't yeah. remember seeing his name ever this year.
1: And yeah. he's not a flashy striker, but he's a goal poacher. And for a club like Monza, if they can get some service from Piscina, and these guys, so he, he could be a 15-goal scorer for them, I, I'd say. right, And enough to keep them up, I think.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mention that, Nick. I actually looked it up. I think he had about 18 appearances in League oh, One for them last season. Okay. So he was there a- about half the time. Five yeah.
0: goals? I don't know. Like what yeah. I figure that was not.
2: Yeah. Was not a stellar out uh, outcome from from his play, but uh, he was definitely there. Um, okay, uh, we'll shift gears into maybe some moves that are a little bit further uh, further along. Um, we've kind of mentioned it with Lewandowski, but potentially moving to Barcelona uh, seems to be uh, we're at an impasse in negotiations, shall we say? Uh, Bayern looking for about seventy million euros, Barça really trying to force. Bayern's hand, and unwilling willing to go up to 40 million. So, pretty big gap there. I think Barca are, are in a little bit more of dire straits. Uh, Bayern have leaked something where uh, they had internal discussions, and they're projecting Barcelona to not exist as a club uh, beyond two more seasons, just based off of their current financial situation. So, Bayern are looking for 70 million with all of it paid up front because they don't want to have to deal with deferred payments from a, a bankrupt club. Um, Lots of drama going on there, Nick. Do you think this deal gets done? Do you think Lewandowski ends up with a Barca uniform before the end I of think the it, window? I
0: think this is something they've been talking about for over a year. So at this point, um, you know, seems like the player wants it. When the player wants it, it usually gets done. So I'm buying that it figures out by the time the season starts, it'll get done. Just a lot of posturing.
1: Yeah, I, I think Nick makes a great point. I just don't see how Barca continues to sign players, like you said, with their financial – like they make some of the other clubs, like the Saudi clubs, look like they're financially like stable because of the way they've run this club yeah. into the ground. I, I and they say Frank, Frankie De Young is not going yeah. anywhere. So, where are you making money to to finance this? I don't know. Well, you
2: bring up Frankie De Young, and I think that's exactly how they're able to afford these players because apparently during the uh, dire straits during the pandemic, they asked Frankie De Jong to take a pay cut from his typical salary, who's making three made $3 million, uh, in 2020 and then $6 million in 2021 uh, when he was supposed to be making, I think, $12 million. Um, So he's owed €18 million Euros per per season moving forward. Um, but United uh, are trying to obviously bring in De Jong. And I guess that's a sticking point right now is how much money is, is De Jong's contract actually worth just because he deferred so much money during the pandemic years. So Barcelona's uh, MO being bringing in these big-name players and then force them to take a pay cut in You know, season two or season three, it's seeming to kind of lock them up a bit more now that they've kicked
1: this can all the way down the road. Yeah. And you could do a whole podcast about like some of these clubs' finances, especially Barcelona, but at what point does the hammer fall from UEFA if you're serious about financial stability, right? You (laughs) you exclude Milan from Europa, you know, European competition for a season because their books weren't good. You know, Roma has to sell Allison and Salon, these players, but there's no repercussions for the, the mega club, so to speak. So, where is you know, this going, and this Super is League. why these teams want yeah. the Super League. This is why Super they want, League. it, right? Yeah.
2: Just funny because that's exactly what UEFA does not want. So right. you, yeah. you 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 would think they would be trying to push for a little bit more of a, a financial responsibility from some of these clubs. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears into EPL, um, one of the big names that's looking to move uh, Rafinha from Leeds, linked with a bunch of clubs in London. Uh, seems like the strongest link right now is about. 55 million pounds to Arsenal. Um, There were links to Tottenham, but Tottenham have recently brought in Richarlison for 60 million. So I think they will be out. Um, Chelsea potential landing spot, depending on some of those other moves we talked about, if they fall through the cracks. And then ironically, Barcelona also may be in for Rafinha. I think it's more so Rafinha wants Barcelona, but Barcelona don't have the money for Rafinha. So I think that's kind of a no-go. So at this point, it seems like Arsenal would be the most likely landing spot. Um, Nick, what do you think? $55 million for, for Rafinha. Is that a good deal for Arsenal?
0: Um, Yeah, I think so. I think he's solid. I mean, RIP leads and, and maybe easy overs, Um, that would be devastating to lose him. But I think at this point, he's gone. They, they're they not going to – you know, if they're getting anywhere in the $50 million pound region for him, he's got to go. I mean, that's just good business at this point. Um. And Arsenal, who have they signed? I don't know. I can't even. They brought in Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Jesus. from oh, that's City right, that's for right, 50 that's million. Right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. They also about. brought in
2: Fabio Vieira, a pretty solid midfielder from FC Porto, and then the big American, Matt Turner, coming in for for goalie. Uh, they've also brought him in. But it's it's interesting. It seems like one of their strengths last season we talked about is their ability to convert chances. They didn't make a lot of chances, but they scored a, a pretty decent clip. Uh, And that seems to be the area where they're kind of focusing on. Uh, I thought they'd be more for midfield players uh, in the, you know, Declan Rice slash, you know, Yves, Besuma, Calvin Phillips. type guess you can't have too many
0: wingers in today's game. Yeah.
2: I think the the thing that we're going to kind of run into here, the EPL is that these bigger clubs, now that they have five subs, um, are going to be more willing to stash these like first 11 quality players on the bench and just bring them in at the 60 minute mark uh, and keep their rest of their front line as, as fresh as can be. So this idea that you may not be in the starting 11 like I think Richardson's not going to be in the starting 11 for Spurs. No way. I think he's still going to get pretty big minutes because he'll be subbing, you know, in every match and getting at least 30 minutes. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the season if that means the 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 big name clubs, the rich clubs just create a bit more of a gap between that, that mid table or if, uh, you know, the money kind of flows downward as much as it's supposed to. And those clubs are at the mid and bottom of the table are able to kind of reinforce as well. It'd be interesting to see.
1: Yeah. I buy he's gone. I don't know if it's going to be to Arsenal now, but he, he's definitely gone. Uh, Leeds has been making other moves. They, uh, oh, yeah. they just uh, locked up Tyler Adams today to show up the midfield. They signed yeah. that guy, uh, Luis Sinistera from Feyenoord who looks pretty, uh, dynamic against Roma in the, uh, conference league final. So I think there's some talent there, but, uh, I think they're going to use that money from Rafinha to shore up more positions and and make some stability to avoid relegation. Yeah,
2: also bringing in the other American, Brendan Aronson from uh, Salzburg. Oh, yeah, so that's I like another one. Yeah, He's I think, I think
1: yeah. him and Adams are two very good signings. Good stepping yep. stone for both those players.
2: Yeah, it's definitely – you see the Jesse Marsh influence now over the squad mm-hmm. taking shape. So The uh, Red Bull influence I there I think, uh, yeah, we, we talked a little about this with Ash a little bit, uh, teams that kind of keep an eye on at the beginning of the season that might be undervalued by the books. Um, yeah, I think Leeds might be one of them. So,
0: uh, they survived
2: relegation, and I think they'll come out of the gates pretty hot.
0: To pause the, the transfer talk for a second, the one thing I'm going to be most looking forward to these first three, four, five weeks of the season – or betting against these huge favorite like a team that's just favorite based on name and they're going yeah. up against somebody and you're going to take the underdog plus a goal and a half and it yeah. you know the favorite might win by one or yeah. it might be a draw and you're just going to cash tickets easy plus money.
1: Yeah, Leeds is a club I'm going to keep an eye on. I was thinking that when when we were talking about that with Ash like teams that make those kind of under the radar moves that are going to be better than last season but undervalued early. I think they could be one depending on who they open up with.
2: Yeah. All right, and then we'll close out the transfer talk. One last rumor. Um, we'll, we'll bridge the leagues here, EPL and Serie A. We have Chelsea looking to move on from Akeem Zayac Potential landing spot going to AC Milan for about 25 million euros. So a pretty cheap price, all things considered. Um, I honestly thought Zayash was probably one of the most consistent he was for know, that, performers yeah. for Chelsea in that, that front three. It'll be interesting, too, for AC Milan. They've already brought in a Divac Origi, who obviously I'm very high on. So they're really reshaping that attacking line, you know, probably pairing them with, with layout, you yep. know, now have, you know, going from the 36 year old Giroud and the 40 year old Zlatan to potentially, you know, young, fresher legs with some, some pace could be pretty, pretty lethal combination for the a team that just won the league last season. So, so coach, mm-hmm. I'll start with you. You, do you think the Zaysh move to Milan comes to come to fruition?
0: I do.
1: I think it might be a loan with option or obligation to buy some kind of performance related, uh, claws in there that that kicks it in but i do think he makes the move it seems like he wants to go there i think for for milan it's a great move if it happens you know you you put him in that four two three one that they usually play i know they lost cassier um in the midfield so maybe they get a little more dynamic up front because leal was great on the left wing you put zayich on the right and then you got Origi, who i know you're high on from his his early liverpool days it could be a dynamic combination up front
2: yeah what do you think nick
1: you think yeah i'm buying
0: it. it you both you both made the case and i think um I think it makes perfect sense. You know, you got to get a lot younger. I mean, Giroud can't play every game. Um, you know, he showed that this year. I think he'll be much more effective off the bench. I think Salamakers has no place in that team. Yeah, um, I know people are high on him, but I don't see it. I think he was just there out of necessity. So moves like this, where um, you can replace subpar players with younger, hungrier, better players, um, and, and you mentioned that Scott Liao is only going to take another step forward. So um, this is this is a move that puts Milan, you know, another step closer to competing to repeat, you know, as, as champions. So I like this move a lot.
1: And, and compete in the champions league group and not finish last. Right. I think that's gotta be the next step for them.
0: Yeah.
2: I think probably trying to get out of that, that group stage would be a good key, key stepping stone for them. Uh, This definitely puts them up there again. We know in champions league, the only way to advance is to score goals. So they're certainly addressing that with this. All right. Well that takes us through our, our last transfer rumor. Um, We're going to now shift gears into a nice interview with uh, Q Ash, who is, if you guys follow her on Twitter, a great handicapper. So uh, stay tuned for that. And otherwise, we'll uh, see you guys next week for another episode of Buy or Sell Transfer
0: Rumors uh, as we
2: get through the summer.
0: All right, guys, it is time for a very special interview with an amazing guest that we have today. You know her on Twitter as SoccerQAsh. She is a friend of ours. We just call her Ash, a longtime follower of the show, and one of the absolute best football handicappers that we know. Ash, how is everything going today? <laughs>
3: Uh, Going well. So I I was a little bit nervous to do this. And then um, I I was actually waiting for a a last minute goal in Lithuania. So I got that goal and then my nerves kind of calmed down. So I I think if I wouldn't have gotten that goal, it it might not. uh, I might not be in the mood to do it, but I got it. So we're
0: fine. And if you follow Ash on Twitter as well, you should, that's a, that's a constant. You're going to hear names of teams that you didn't even know existed. And somehow she new to to put her money down on them um i don't know who you could possibly be betting in lithuania but it's a great (laughs) lead-in tell us about yourself i mean how did how'd you get into this what led you to betting games in you know third division lithuania at nine in the morning
3: Oh, hey, uh, Lithuania is going to be one of the more known ones. I, I go crazy in Singapore and Bangladesh. And if, if there's value to find, I'm going to dig for it. I don't give a shit. I don't know any of the players' names, but uh, I'm a metric, metrics woman. Um, so I, I dig into a couple of sites that I pay for uh, that just really go in-depth and breaking Um just breaking every category down that, that I, you know, look forward to place a bet. So yeah, there, there's, there's tons of value. Uh, people just betting these bigger leagues are, uh, are really missing out. And a good thing about the lower leagues too, is the uh, books don't have the lines wrapped quite so tight, right? I mean, trying to bet the EPO, good luck. They've got them pretty spot on every time. Um, but yeah, as far as me getting into it, So it's kind of a a long way around. I'll just tell the the short version. So I I actually played um, footy when we lived in Greece. My dad was in the army, and then he got stationed to a small town where the only sports for girls was basically like softball, I think. Um, So you know, but but I stay. I I didn't keep playing it, but uh, loved the sport. And I'm born. uh, I'm from the Gulf Coast of Alabama, so I'm a huge not bandwagoner, but huge Crimson Tide fan. So I first got into, um, when I, when I started sports betting, so I started capping college football, um, and and you know, pretty decent at that. Um, but you know, the, I don't know, it's just, if it's NFL or MLB or college basketball or football, to me, just these books are pretty spot on, right. And they're tough to beat. So I'm You know, I I love footy. I'm like, let me just start taking a look at some numbers and just, and I can, you know, just my brain just got it. You know, I'm more of a totals better. Um, I bet sides sometimes, but I would say maybe 20 percent of the time. Um, So, yeah, I just said, hey, you know, I, I got tired of the hit and miss of betting other sports. And I just started with this one. My brain just looked at the lines and, and understood it. And I just fell in love with it. It's been nonstop ever since.
2: Yeah, the the intro of starting betting with college football now kind of makes sense because, you know, that's where when you talk about books, knowing exactly where the line sits, I think college right. football is the peak one there. You, you'll look at something like, you know, Alabama Crimson Tide will be giving 56 and a half points to like UAB, you'll know, be like, yeah, right. there's, there's no way that. Alabama wins by 56 and a half. And sure enough, they'll, they'll pull out like a 58 point win. So right,
3: right. things are
2: now starting to click now while you're finding the value in those lower leagues. Because if you grew up doing or started doing that, then it's, it's hard to get any sort of edge on the books.
3: Yeah. And, and I've, you know, learned too that, I mean, it's, it's a lot of reasons that that I love it, but it, it was just odd. You know, I would look at totals, um, look at money lines, and sometimes it's kind of like the books. It, it seems to be to me anyway, the one of the few sports where the books, if sometimes I really don't even have to dig that deep. I, I let the books tell the story, right? Um, you know, this team's a minus two sixty. That's not super heavy favorite, right? But uh, you know, the other team they're expecting to score. I like shooting for plus money, so I'll take that favorite maybe to win, but both teams to score. Uh yeah, they'll they'll kind of tell you the story if if you look at some of these books of what to expect um, with the outcome, which, you know, maybe my brain just understands that, but uh, no, that's, it's pretty funny to me.
2: That's definitely a common theme we share. I mean, if you've listened to our episodes, you know, there's a lot of times we'll break down the odds. And we'll see that, you know, a total will be set at, you know, over three and a half with both teams to score. And it's like, all right, well, we know there's going to be lots of goal scoring coming in here. Who are the, uh, the key right. uh, forwards in this matchup? Maybe there's some props that uh, goal scorer props that have good right, value right, that right. you can pick up on and, and take advantage of. So I, I think that's something that is near and dear to this podcast's heart for sure.
3: Yeah. And, and I don't know if you guys are more into sides, but totals to me, I, you can definitely find value in sides. Um, I, I found a pretty good bit in the England championship um, the, this past season, you know, like betting Fulham and, and Burnmouth, but uh, typically to me, the value is it's just on totals. They're a lot easier to read to me.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, too, some of the lower leagues, and MLS isn't even necessarily a lower league compared to some of the leagues you bet, but just this past weekend, I texted Nick, Austin FC was plus 370 on the road. They're the third best record in, the, in a almost 30-team league against someone right. who was like in the 20-something place. And Wasn't it against a brand-new won- team? Uh, right? was it against,
0: wasn't it against Charlotte or somebody Was like it that?
1: Charlotte or somebody? Whoever it was, they were on the road, and I guess that's where the books made their mistake because they won fairly easily. I think 3-2, there was a goal like there always is in MLS, like Nick talks about, but plus 370 on a third place team. How do you get better value than that?
3: Right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like there's one today. Sometimes it's interesting, like today, right, when you have these like cross leagues playing, but there's actually two teams that I love. Um, so I'm taking a swing at plus money today on, on both teams of score. You have Bodo, which we all know cuz you know the famous battles <laughs> we know they had well. with <laughs> We know Bodo, we know L- Bodo L-
1: well. Our
3: <laughs> yeah, and and um, Klax, you know, this this team from the Faroe Islands and I, I bet a lot um, in the Faroe Islands. If you if you guys aren't betting that league, just Iceland, Faroe Islands, they're just just a gold mine for goals. Uh, but so it's my my Bodo team that I love betting for goals versus Klaxvik. I don't know how those two um, leagues are going to match up, but I'm all over uh, both teams to score at, at plus one thirty. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of a guessing game when you're getting these cross league matches, but I see tons of value on that. It's, I think it'd be difficult for either of these teams to be shut out.
0: That's awesome, and I think you you nailed something else that is, is near and dear to our hearts. Right. Um, you know, you talked about the the main leagues and, and trying to find value, man, we, we struggled all year. Uh, you know, we, we focus on Italy and England. Um, you know, when we do our analysis and, and certainly the games we pick, uh, but the books are sharp, I, you, you know, we nailed it and we, we struggled. I mean, I, I'll raise my hand. I definitely struggled. Um, and I think we did a, a lot better with, with overs and some of our props than we did just picking sides this year.
3: Right, right. Yeah. Well, and um, so like with Italy now, there are some top leagues that I lo- I love betting. Um, La Liga. Now I, I approach that league completely different. Uh, my favorite league to bet in the entire world, and always will be, is Italy Serie A. Um, so I'm I'm a Roma fan, um, but I'm also a Sassuolo fan because uh, Sassuolo is my money making machine. It's just it's just their their M O. Right. It, I would say without exaggerating 80% of the time Sassuolo are involved in a match. I'm taking both teams to score and over two and a half because it's just what Sassuolo do. They're going to play hard. They're going to score on you. It doesn't matter if you're inter or you're Udinese, you know, they're going to score and they're going to concede. And actually, you know, you get the best value on them um, at plus money when they're playing the bigger teams, because for some reason, the books haven't caught on to, to, Sassuolo actually play better
1: versus the big mm-hmm. boys right I sometimes I feel like I'm, I I feel like like I'm listening them. to myself right now Yeah, this is weird <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah you know it's not, sometimes I'll back off it you know if it's uh, Sassuolo and Genoa you know or something like that because they seem to not kind of give a shit about those as much but yeah if Sassuolo that you know that's that's a wagon team for me um Roma I'm just a fan of I do bet them sometimes uh, but I don't typically take scores you know like with with Abraham, um, yeah, and they're kind of confusing, but uh, fan of them, but bigger fan of betting Cesaro. Um, but Serie a is definitely a money uh, maker for me. By far, my favorite league to bet.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing we we all noticed this year, it started sort of tapered off towards the end, but there were a lot of goals. Um, you know, historically, you know, we we've, we've all been watching the league for years and years. Um, You know, you'd see a lot of these lower teams, right? A one nothing game, a one one game. Uh, I think they averaged what, like three point oh two goals this year per match. It was the highest of all the
1: top five leagues.
3: Yeah, would have been higher if Atlanta would have not (laughs) laid like those goose
0: eggs like four (laughs) matches in
3: a row, right? That cost me money. I'm not gonna lie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're on our bandwagon. We we've banned them from the bet slip um yeah after, they're after been the for
3: me for a while I, I'm with you guys on that that talk about a team I cannot figure them out Jesus
2: yeah that's honestly my fault I think I got in on them because Nick got me in on their their overs and I was watching a lot of early morning games on the east coast time here and had a lot happened to feature in a lot of them and so I just started hitting them you know pretty hard on the over and I think that's right when that four pocket of of who right, says, you just said happens. Right, so, right. I'll put my yeah, hand up. no, they, they, <laughs> Nick is
3: right. He's definitely right. Atlanta is one of those teams, right? When I when I see a serious slate, there's a, the hand, handful of teams I look for right off the bat, Oswaldo being number one, and Atlanta being number two for overs. So yeah, that that was odd. Uh, they they weren't bad bets. It's just you know sometimes you you make the right play, you know, a sound play based on the numbers, but. We're dealing with human beings, so you know the numbers only take you so far. We we can't get out there and play the matches.
2: Yeah, and if my memory serves it me correct, I think that was right after it was. I think it was Gosens that they they transferred out. That's where um, Gosens and, out, and, and, and Zapata got hurt, which hurt yeah. them a lot. So it was just a emerging a of two forces. My my incredible Chinks force, and Adolante just dropping two of their probably more dynamic players. So right, right, bound to happen.
0: Um. So. So one thing I I want to say, you you brought it up um, when talking about Roma and and betting player props. Um, You know, we talked a lot about that this year. I absolutely hate betting on players to score any time goal scorers. I think um, – you know, if you see a player and you have to lay, you know, minus one forty five for a player to score, I don't think that accurately reflects how difficult it is to score a goal in a, in a football match. Right. But you seem to do really, really well with bets like that. And I'm not saying you you take a good player at minus minus one forty five, but what's no. your secret on on player props like that? Why do you why do you make those bets? When you know what's what's kind of worked out for you there?
3: Yeah, it's really funny because as far as prop bets, I used to could not. Stand them like you know. When I was betting MLB or college football, I would never take this receiver for this many yards. Um, but so I, I just fell in love with, with betting score props. And you're 100 percent correct. I do not lay a minus 145 um, for someone to score. So what I do is I, I look for value in situational spots. Um, There's a few criteria. Um, that I have number one I'm looking at the matchup do I expect this team that I'm interested in this particular player to score do I expect there to be multiple goals from that team that's the first thing I look at right because if I'm expecting like a one nil Sevilla type win I'm not going to be on a goal scorer because you just don't know who's going to score that one goal Um, which is where a lot of value came on in Kunku, right? You know, that team's going to mm-hmm. score multiple goals. They kept offering him for some ridiculous reason at a plus 170, plus 160. Now, I did not bet him every match, but I made, made a pretty penny betting him based on, uh, you know, is this a team they care to beat? Is, is he going to be featured in this match? You know, so a lot of things factor into it. Um, I, I made... Um, I, I do not take player props very often say with teams like Manchester city, right. Where there's like five guys that can just score at any given time. It's so hard to narrow it down to who is going to score. Um, now I'm taking, you know, Kevin De Bruyne a decent amount because, you know, they offer him at really good odds, but the reason of taking like Scamaca or Raspadori um, or Sessuolo, right. Cause those are the the featured guys in Berardi. So, you know, you, you bet two of the three of those you're you're gonna hit one profit
0: <laughs> Steve did you guys um, talk before you I I mean, like, that you, was often
1: my strategy well.
3: right and you know it's like even though that's three guys should there, there's some matches where you know all three of them um, are gonna score but like you know at uh, made money betting him he's featured guy for Salzburg or was. Um, and every single time uh Monaco plays it's um vinettetter just take him I I'm you know the, the only the only guy that I will bet even if I'm only expecting like a one two nil is Benzema so a lot of time it's hard to get value on um, Real Madrid's money line so I'll take Benzema to score and Madrid to win and usually get that at a nice like plus 170 and yeah, so it's just situations. Great year to I, do that. I, I really was that.
0: That's it was a great year to do that. Depends yes,
3: <laughs> it, yes, it was. It was. And 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 the thing is, is like I don't want to bet pre-Madonnas, right? So, I mean, you're never going to get value uh, in Lewandowski's or the Erling Hollands of the world unless you're taking them in a really important match where you think maybe they want to show out, and you take them to score two plus. But yeah, I'm I'm never um laying a price. I, I look for like Solanke, um Dominic Solanke for Burnmouth, uh, made a ton on him because, you know, as you know, for Burnmouth, right? He's going to be um the featured guy. So yeah, just that that's you know, kind of a simple way of breaking it down. There's a lot of thought that goes into it, but you know. To say everything that my brain goes through making picks is just, I don't even know what's going on in my brain sometimes. Oh, yeah, and
0: that's, that's what it's all about, right? It's a field game too. Um, and, and I'm super guilty of that, right? We, There's all these beautiful stats and analytics at our fingertips. And I don't know. I, I'm guilty of overlooking all of it. Just, be, you know, hey, this is what I saw the last three weeks. And this right. number looks good. Uh, I don't know. Right or wrong. It's it's kind of the way it goes for me. I think with goals. Well, score- you
3: You do. go ahead
2: i think with goal score props too there's there is a lot of times where you can steal value from books because they don't really update those you know going into a match right so copying
0: lines too from other books
2: a lot of times we'll see it right where we'll see like lukaku will be like you know the second shortest odds even though he hasn't played a game in in six six weeks and then you look around and all of a sudden they're starting you know a a ruben Loftus cheek and he's like plus 330 and so you can go in and get somebody with with good value if you're just kind of paying attention to what the lineups are and and understanding like oh this guy's getting a a surprise start like he's usually pretty good in front of goal like it's worth a shot on on him in these matches so i think with with goal score props a lot of times you can do yourself a favor by just trying to pay attention to when those lineups come out in the hour before match and seeing if there's any any big surprises and checking out that way and then i I know nick has his tried and true method which is just finding the uh the PK takers are just putting money on that, whether it's a center back or a defensive midfielder, that, who has like a laser shot. He, he likes to just get in on those. That's a
3: fantastic, fantastic idea. So I said, I don't bet on a lot of um, score props, like in the EPO, um, bet on De Bruyne a few times, but I will take uh, Harry Kane. Um, I'll probably take him more this upcoming season. Um, I, I think that coach is going to get them in the right direction, but absolutely. I think he is spot on with that. That That's one of my criteria too like with Vincent, are they on penalty duties? Right. So, I mean, that's a big deal when, when you're taking, you know, a plus money shot at a specific person scoring a goal, it's not easy. So you want to give yourself every advantage. And if they're taking penalties, then that that's definitely, um, helping that bit in your favor, big time.
0: Yeah. I had a good run of games with, uh, Bucci for Juventus. I think, um, yeah, he was like plus 800 for a slew of gan, you know, and that's even probably short, but it turned out that he was taking penalties for a, I don't know, four or five game stretch of the season. So I bet it three right. games in a row, it hit on the third game and there you go. You've made some money.
3: Right Yeah. And if it's, you know, a match, like, like I said, I I will lay a price sometimes if like, it's, it's true Right. And it's like, you know, Lazio is kind of short on the money line. So I'll just take immobile to score. He takes penalty, you know, he's great in um, you know, open space, but also great at penalties. And if I'm expecting him to win, I just throw that that combination together. Very rarely am I going to lay a price for just a goal scorer unless I'm getting, you know, a minus one ten, which they started moving uh,
0: in Kunku to towards the end of the season. So one of the things that um, you know we talk about uh, and, and you mentioned you know taking totals um, I, you know at the beginning of the season, I, I usually tend towards taking sides. Um, I, I think underdogs perform well early on in the season. I think lines aren't accurate early in the season uh, you know whether that is reflecting the transfer market, whether that's reflecting a new coach or right. teams just. I don't know, party too hard and aren't ready and are off to a slow start, right? We watched, like, Juventus get, get off to a slow start last year that they never recovered from. Um, is there right. any strategy you look at or is there anything you do differently at the start of a league season um, that we should know about?
3: There, There is. So typically, um, like when the A-League um, Australia started, I, I waited. Uh, I know the teams um, pretty well, but I wait until – about the third round of matches before I actually pull the trigger, right? I'm paying attention to kind of like, you know, what they're doing. I, I don't just start firing away at first. Now when the Serie A starts, I'm going to be firing left and right. And if I miss, you know, that's fine. That's I, I, I will bet them um, from the very start. Um, but yeah, typically uh, I'll wait at least one or two rounds um, from the beginning uh, you know, I know that's kind of a boring answer, but I, I'm someone who kind of likes to sit back and and look and kind of you know because when when I make plays, also I also have people on Patreon, right? And I take their money probably more seriously than my own, uh, honestly. So it's like you know, I I I want to pull the trigger when I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what this team is about, um, you know, what to expect from them.
0: You know, you have teams
3: like with. With Benzema, you know, that man, it doesn't matter if they're number one in La Liga or if they're struggling, you know that he goes out and he plays hard, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's a quote, important game or not. So I will bet on teams that I know, you know, just play hard all the time. Like I said, Sassuolo, they don't give a shit. They're just going to try to score on, you. you know, doesn't, they don't care if they leave themselves wide open at the back. They're just coming at you. And then, so yeah, I, I, some I bet uh, right off, but usually I'll sit back for one or two rounds.
1: And that's
2: almost like counter to what I like to do just because I, 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 I like to think that the books aren't that sharp in the first couple of weeks either. Like I think a lot of times you can find the teams that are a little bit hot that or have some, some roster shakeups or whatever it might be that you can kind of take advantage of. And I know, I think we actually kind of hit that a little bit in January with Newcastle this year uh, where Newcastle was like one of the worst teams in EPL right. for the first three or four months. Then they started making a lot of those moves in, in January and they brought in Eddie Howe yeah. and completely reshaped that team. And uh, I think we had draw no, ble- draw no bet for plus money, I think four or five straight weeks where I think it went like four zero yeah. and one during that time. Yeah. And I think that was probably the hottest that we were as, as a Team as a podcast you know all last season so i think i get what you're saying i mean it's definitely the smart thing to do but for me i you know just i I acknowledge that i don't know anything in these first few weeks but there's no way that the books know that much either you know their 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 lines will probably have a a bigger error or margin for error than any point in the season because they haven't quite dialed in yet so i mean i I, I think for me this year there's a couple teams that i've been looking at you know I, i like to see uh we've been talking about them but um Nottingham, Nottingham, forest. Nottingham forest. Yeah. Nottingham forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our, our team to kind of watch out there newly promoted yep. side. I think they did really well uh, in the championship last year. They did obviously really well in the FA cup. So um, right. that's one that I'm thinking maybe come out to a little bit hot start, maybe get a little bit undervalued by the books. Um, and you can kind of see a, a little bit of an advantage there. So um, do you have any teams I think that you, maybe you're you're keeping an eye on for the start of the season, or are you really just going to kind of keep, keep everything in your pocket and, and, and wait until you see how the first few weeks shake out?
3: Um, well, you know, I'm just going to beat this dead horse, uh, Sassuolo, I'll I'll be riding them every, every single, every single week. Um, you know, I'm really honestly, not even one of those people that sits around waiting for the bigger leagues to start. I am super excited for Syria, um, and La Liga and then Bundesliga to start, but I actually love this time of year. Um, I I love betting the J-League, Japan, you know, on a few of those matches this morning, Um, betting the A-League in Australia, I love betting Singapore right now, Um, Albreg's Niigata is this team, if you guys have never heard of you're just really, you just don't like money if you're not taking (laughs) that um, team for goals. But yeah, I just, I would say super excited um, just for the entire League of Serie A um, to start and specifically uh, Sassuolo. And yeah, just kind of take it from there with the EPL. But like you were saying about Newcastle, that's, I think you're right. There's nothing wrong with pulling the trigger, you know, at the beginning of the season because, right, you're kind of, I mean, you're studying, but you're still somewhat guessing, but so are the books, right? So it's always us versus the books. Um, and with Newcastle, they went from a, you know, shit team to a bet on team. It was kind of like the reverse for me. Um, I got on the Newcastle bandwagon too. But the exact opposite of that was I was making a killing betting Fulham. And then all of a sudden they just turned into a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> I think I bet on them twice. And I was like, never fucking again, never again. for the rest of this season. Right. Put them in the bandwagon. Right. That's it. Exactly. So, you know, you do go by how, you know, teams shift and, and you're trying to beat the books. And I'll tell you, that's why a lot, if I could tell you the number of cappers that tell me, don't bet parlays, don't bet parlays. I'm like, I do not bet parlays in the typical way of, you know, people trying to make a thousand dollars off of a $20 bet. I'll mm. lay a little bit of juice. Um, so I'll take doubles and trebles. And I actually, some of those are my bread and butter, um, since it is me. Versus the books, if they have that total set at two and a half, that's a very tricky number, right? It's a lot of two nils, one one. Um, so I'm going to take an over one and a half or an over 1.75 and throw it in with another game that I see at least two goals and get that up around minus 120. Um, I'm happy with that. I'm not trying to get get rich quick on parlays, but the books have the numbers where they want them and I don't want them there. So I put the numbers where I want them and um, I just go head to head with them that way. If, you, if you're always taking the numbers right where the books want them, they're, they're very good at what they do.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's great
1: advice. Yeah, that, that, that's a definitely a different way of looking at it for like someone like me who I couldn't do this until the beginning of this year in my state. You know, I, you have to really think deeply about it that a novice gambler doesn't think that way. And I, I think that's great advice.
3: Yeah, you know, when people say, like, it's not smart, right? Obviously,
1: books love if you're playing
3: parlays, like you're throwing, you know, six college football teams together for 10 bucks, and you think you're going to make 800 bucks, there's a reason why they're offering you that, that $800, because it's tough to hit one, you know, if you, if, if you go by, you know, the way that the books have. The number set. So to me, I just like to try to take it to the books as far as like uh, I shoot for a lot of um, plus money, where I just think it's a bad line. Um, like today, I could be wrong. Um, I'm. I don't see. You know, I think plus one thirty, whatever it is, is is good value. If if I miss, I miss, but I love swinging for value where I just think the books are just wrong, and books don't really like you. Uh, you know, if they wanted the number at one point seven five you know, that's where they would set it. They they, they want it somewhere where they, they don't see you hitting it. So I say, um, I'm just going to put the numbers, like I said, where I want them and, and play my game instead of theirs. Love it. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. In oh, it rambling,
2: makes sense. But- it definitely does. I mean, one of our one of our sayings here is free money is free money. So if you're looking at a bunch of lines and you you see a bunch of plus money lines that you know you're kind of on the fence of and then there's one that's like minus 150. Guess what? That minus 150 is gonna pay out more if it hits than any of those plus money numbers when they don't hit. So Sometimes right, you just gotta right. take those shorter odds. And like you said, if you can get smart True. with it and move the numbers a little bit and maybe you take a double, you know, double parlay or two-leg option and, and get that right, you know, a little extra payout, then then it might, you know, be in your favor. So I think it's definitely yeah, a good I'm, way of looking at it.
3: Yeah, I would say, you know, say just hypothetically in a given day on Patreon, if I say I have eight plays, probably four of those are doubles and and four are singles. So I'm I'm pretty heavy. Um on betting uh, doubles and trebles. But I am, it, it, it's very tedious. Uh, I don't just take some like, oh, this is set at two and a half. I'm just gonna take one and a half. It's, it's not that simple. Um, it, I, I'm like a crazy person, chain smoking, drinking my coffee, <laughs> pacing back and forth. Like which team do I wanna put with this one? And which one do I like goals in the most? And how am I getting the most value? So for me to put together a double, just one, it probably takes me like an hour and a half. It's ridiculous.
0: So you've shed light on a lot of things. Um, the one question I want to ask for anybody that's listening, you know, if you're if you're starting out or if you're really trying to get into this and, and improve yourself, what's what's the best advice you can give somebody um, that's looking at football like the crazy idiots that we are?
3: Someone new. Uh, I would just say, you know, first of all just understand that this is very difficult right now if you're just wanting to be a sports better that's one thing but if you're wanting to be a handicapper like yeah this is my livelihood you know it's what you know three to five percent of people that succeed so it's a lot lot more work um just knowing sports is not going to benefit you this is a numbers game right um you have to be good at reading the statistics and the metrics. But I would say uh, the first thing is ignore all of these cappers that ever tell you to put 10 units or 20 units on one game. They, they don't, they need to be thrown off of well it. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're max, you know, bet of the millennia for the second time of the month. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I would just say, look for value at first, right? Just kind of test the waters. Don't, don't be expecting because a team is a minus 600 favorite that they're going to win. Um, you will go broke and bust your bankroll super fast, doing nothing but betting on heavy favorites.
2: It's a tale as old as time. (laughs) I think that a lot of people will fall in line with these uh, can't lose situations only to find out that there's no guarantees in sports. So. Definitely a tough one. Yeah, to yeah that's
3: one thing. is I, like My wife Hannah, I use her to, to gauge the public, you know. And sometimes when they get up to around minus 600, I start thinking, I'm just going to sprinkle the other side because yeah. there's just, you know, there's too much value now. It was uh, Dustin Poirier fighting McGregor. I don't even pay attention to that shit. Yeah. And I was like, McGregor's like minus five hundred something favorite, and she said, yeah. "Well, yeah, that's because he's gonna win." So I was like, "Fuck this! I took Poirier by knockout, <laughs> and he are. knocked his ass out." You know, it's like if everyone, in the public, is saying, "Yeah, th- this is a guaranteed win," then I'm, I'm gonna at least sprinkle the other side.
0: Yeah, Scotty's a big fade the public guy. Yeah. Sure, am like yeah. I said,
3: they're not always wrong, but but they are quite a bit, right?
1: Yeah, there are times you get those, even the big EPL matches. I remember I hit Tottenham this year. Uh, they were like plus eight hundred against City, and they ended up winning the match. When when there's that much value, you sometimes you just have to take a shot at it in a big $4. game like yeah. that. Anything
0: could happen, right? One bounce or one yep. call. Uh, you know, I know Ash right. is a magnet for red cards, so you know, one red card and
3: oh my god, yesterday so four four red four cards. Red. Two of them actually helped me. So like Malmo. You know, I, I did. That's one of the few times I took a team money line because they had such a horrible performance a few days ago. But let me tell you something right now: Vikinger took it to him. Mean, without that red card, I think Vikinger would have whooped that ass. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was one of the few times I was happy uh, <laughs> to get a red card.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that'll that'll wrap up our interview. But Ash, thank you so much for coming on for sharing all your knowledge, for sharing your story. Um, Just please tell the listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with you. Oh,
3: absolutely. Yeah, do you guys make sure you're going to post that link on Twitter, and I'm going to get people to listen, because you guys are awesome. Like I said, I've listened to your podcast and uh, not only entertaining, uh, you guys, your personalities mesh really well, but it's also informative. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything you want out of a sports betting podcast. So definitely you guys deserve to have Tons of listeners for sure. And for I'm sure, honored yeah. that you asked me to come on. Uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Super cool.
2: Always welcome, especially during the season. Maybe we can do Absolutely. a mid season podcast, up, but... get some get some mid season updates.
3: There we go. We can do some like um, some live, right? When like is playing live and I'm really needing them to score. It's the 88th minute, and we can see me chugging my hoe garden and screaming and going nuts. Next
2: time Coach does uh, yeah. his uh, Skamaka, Berardi, and uh, Raspidori parlay score, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> Yeah, that might go be going. done. <laughs>
1: Scamaca on his way to uh,
0: PSG. PSG? All right,
3: listen, that's man. right. <laughs> yeah, that let me down because, man, I love betting that guy. But it's all right. We, we still got the other ones. We can, we'll can. we do doubles there with Raspidori and Berardi. So, yeah, love but uh, I really appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Thanks again.